From KHOL, this is Jackson Unpacked. Our podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and around the Mountain West. I'm News Director Tyler Pratt. Coming up on today's show, suspected opioid overdoses in Wyoming shot up last year. The state has millions to spend on fighting the epidemic, but a recent report found that up-to-date information on where help is needed in the state is lacking. And officials say there are privacy concerns with increasing access to it. You need some data though. You need to balance that with being able to understand what's going on in local areas. And later, we'll get to know the finalists for KHOL's Community Hero Award, nominated by residents for their work in Jackson, helping and uplifting others. To see people really come to life in a way and see in themselves a possibility. And she's opening that door through music and also just through the incredibly generous and respectful way that she interacts with all humans. These stories and more coming up on Jackson Unpacked. Jackson is the first Wyoming town to join a national network of police cameras. Law enforcement say they're intended to catch criminals through license plate data, but civil rights advocates have privacy concerns. K-12's Hannah Mersbach has more. The Falcons. That's the name of the 30 solar-powered police cameras soon to be hung on Jackson street poles or traffic lights. Thanks to machine learning, The cameras will scan vehicles and capture license plate numbers and other data 24 hours a day. They come from a company called Flock, one of the fastest-growing tech groups in the nation. Their North Star mission, according to spokesperson Holly Balin, eliminate crime. Flock really focuses on objective data. So part of what we want to do is remove some of the human bias that is inherent in crime fighting. Jackson Police Chief Michelle Weber recently asked the town move forward with a nearly $200,000 deal, saying the cameras will help speed up investigations and locate missing people. We're behind the eight ball where a lot of communities are already doing this. And so when other communities have crimes or suspects that think have come to Jackson, we're unable to provide as much help as we possibly could because we don't have this technology. Town council was nearly divided on the issue. Council member Jonathan Schechter ultimately helped tip the scales in favor. I don't like this particular arc of this particular part of history, and I'm screaming stop as I vote yes. But some local community members and the American Civil Liberties Union are concerned. ACLU senior policy analyst Jay Stanley opposes any use of the cameras and says it's dangerous to create a mass surveillance system with law enforcement officers around the country. It's like putting a GPS tracker on everybody's car, and that's not the way we do things in this country. The Jackson data is currently slated to be stored for 90 days and, according to the police chief, only be accessible when local officers launch a criminal investigation. Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. The police chief and council members tell KHOL they plan to agree on a policy surrounding the usage of the cameras before installing them around town. And law enforcement will also give annual reports on the success of the new technology. This is Jackson Unpacked. What makes a community hero? 
That's the question we recently asked Jackson Hole residents who nominated 21 locals who make a difference in our community day in, day out. We're celebrating the nominees for the first ever KHOL Community Hero Award at our 15th anniversary party coming up and announcing the winner. Isabel Zumel is one of the finalists. Those who know her say she makes a big impact in our community. She supports Jackson residents who face financial and cultural challenges. And she's often behind the scenes helping people get credit, a bank account, and educational opportunities. Natalie Shalotti brings us this story of Zumel's work to ensure families and kids in Jackson have opportunities to thrive. Isabel Zumel's work began at the Teton County Library. She noticed there was a gap in kids participating in extracurricular activities. So she started programs to help them get involved. I guess, you know, what's my goal, what's my mission, is to make sure that those opportunities are within the reach. She's since become the Director of Education and Outreach at the local nonprofit 122. She runs the Youth and Activity Scholarship Program there to help kids get into summer camps, outdoor activities, and internships. It feels really good when somebody feels connected to a program that their kid is so excited about, or it's like the one camp that they really want to go to. And then just the joy from the parents and the child that they're able to do that. Zumel wears many hats in Jackson. She also helps families with interpretation and immigration assistance. Jordan Rich works closely with Zumel and nominated her for KHOL's Community Hero Award. A drive for justice is really at her core and the impact of her work and her dedication over her entire career here in Jackson has really moved the needle for those uh, marginalized populations. And Zumel says she's seen a change. I feel like there's a cultural shift that has happened in the last 10 years that I feel really proud of helping contribute to. So where does Zumel get her energy to work on all these different programs? She says it comes from success stories. Sometimes I'm just, you know, flipping through the paper, listening to the radio, and I hear about a kid who is now doing something. And I remember the name of that child, even if I didn't know that child, I remember the name of that child. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing that now? They're going where? Zumel says she wants to break barriers and create spaces where families who need help are welcomed and supported to make Jackson a better community for all. For KHOL, I'm Natalie Shalotti. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked. I'm Tyler Pratt. As the United States grapples with the opioid crisis, tens of billions of dollars are being sent out across the country to battle the epidemic from a nationwide settlement with opioid distributors. Wyoming is receiving millions of that money, and it comes amid a significant spike in suspected overdose in the state last year. But nonprofit newsroom Wildfile recently found out that data about overdoses in the state is lacking and inconsistent statewide. A patchwork system of data collection in the Cowboy State means that public information we have at our disposal, which is often not up to date, can be unreliable. But top health officials cite concerns about privacy and increasing access to reliable overdose data. This all raises questions about how millions in money earmarked to fight addiction will be used here and if it will be able to make an impact. Reporter Madeline Beck spent six months looking into these issues in a new four-part series from Wildfile called Withheld. It looks into what data the state collects and why it doesn't always make it into the hands of local decision makers and harm reduction groups. 
We sat down recently and looked at how other states with smaller populations collect and utilize their opioid data. The best comparison for Wyoming has long been Alaska. So you look to Alaska and they've been able to update their opioid dashboard that shows a lot of these numbers a lot more frequently. They also have shown data at the health district level annually. So it's not looking at five-year averages. They're looking at annual data and they're using that data. They said they've been able to give information to stakeholders that might apply for grants, that might want to run stories to convince people stuff is happening in their own backyard and to pay attention. I also talked to folks in Missouri. Now, Missouri does have more people, it does have more resources, and it has a little bit more experience when it comes to fentanyl. But they also offer county-by-county information. They show number of overdose deaths by year. They show rates. They show, they, they give little packets to local areas to understand what it looks like in their local area so they can advocate for resources. So yeah, so other states are handling this in other ways and they haven't run into any privacy concerns, which is what I kept hearing from the Wyoming Department of Health, which is, you know, we are concerned about people's privacy. We want to suppress information that might lead you to understand that your neighbor was the person who overdosed. And I get that. That is that is a good goal to preserve individuals' privacy. But then other people are saying, you know, you need some data, though. You need to balance that with being able to understand what's going on in local areas. So Wyoming is in the process of getting a chunk of this big opioid settlement money that's, you know, being distributed across the U.S. Did you hear from any officials about how they plan to use this and maybe make some inroads and change how we collect that data? So, yeah, I think different counties have some plans about how they're going to spend it do, using prevention. They're talking with their local law enforcement, local EMS about what they need, what their departments need. At the state level, though, the state, which is getting, you know, 35 percent of the opioid settlements, already has a map of where it plans to use a lot of this, which is medically assisted treatment, telehealth expansion, you know, supporting recovery services, healthcare administration training, they really break it down into a bunch of different little pieces. Uh, And only a couple of those little pieces really have to do with getting the word out at the moment. Uh, But those, those are part of it, but they don't specifically say, you know, we are going to provide more overdose data to the public. But what they do say is something like, they're gonna spend $425,000 potentially on, contract for educational media and a website that targets the general public and opioid prevention. Like what what that actually looks like, you know, it's it's hard to say. But yeah, I think we're starting to see a little bit of where those things are going to be spent. Every year on January 31st, we're supposed to get a report from every county and community that gets these funds. So when that report comes out this year, we'll have a better idea of where all this money is being spent and how it's being spent. But for the time being, I think a lot of counties and communities are still talking about, well, where should we spend it? How is stigma impacting the epidemic? I think stigma plays a role in a number of ways. I think one of those ways is what we see with the suicide rates in Wyoming. You see isolation, you see people who don't want to reach out for help because they don't want to be stigmatized as someone who has a problem. 
And we've even seen that several opioid overdoses and drug overdoses in the state have been directly attributed to suicide. And so I, I think looking at kind of where those things overlap, but as well as stigma of there are people who have requested that death certificates change uh, as far as we don't want our kid or our relative, their death certificate to say, you know, they've died of an overdose. In my reporting, I've shown, you know, I don't know of any specific series of events in which a death certificate has changed. But the fact that people are even asking shows that there is a potential problem there that there are people who don't want to talk about this. I see in other states like Oregon, there's a lot of parents that have created coalitions and groups that come together to advocate on behalf of people who might overdose or might use. We really haven't seen that in Wyoming yet. I really haven't seen folks coming together to talk about this and how it's affected their family or their life as much as I've seen in other areas. And I think it's partially because Fentanyl and a lot of this is fairly new in Wyoming. It's only been here a couple of years. So, so yeah, I think stigma plays a role in a number of ways. Advocacy, willingness to talk about problems and willingness to put forth money to help people who have substance use disorders, because that's something that I think, you know, what Rodney Wombeam had talked about in my series is how do you want to spend money on a problem if you think that those people are lost causes? You know, it's, it's part of how do we show that people can recover, that there are people in recovery and have been for decades. So, yeah, I think all of that plays into how this problem is being addressed. Reporter Madeline Beck with nonprofit newsroom Wildfile discussing their four-part series on how Wyoming collects opioid overdose data and limitations to accessing reliable information to combat the opioid crisis. You can read the full report at Wildfile. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL, where we showcase reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and around the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every other Friday wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Lockhart is a member of one of Jackson's last remaining cattle ranching families. He runs the Lockhart Cattle Company, and volunteers with Search and Rescue, helping those who need help in the backcountry. And this year, Lockhart is a finalist for the inaugural KHOL Community Hero Award. Here's Natalie Schlotty again with the story on Lockhart's mission to keep Jackson's ranching and community culture intact. Three miles south of Jackson sits the Lockhart Ranch. You've probably seen its cattle grazing as you pull out of Smith's or on your way to the bird. Chase Lockhart has lived through Jackson's evolution, Walking through a field, he says his mission, make sure the ranches here don't disappear. In the community like Jackson, ranching's dying. There's no secret there. Like ranches have been getting sold for the last 40 years and people are getting out of the cow business and not into it. I'm going the exact opposite direction. We're trying to grow and hold on to the ranch for another 100 years is kind of my goal. Success to me is dying with some cows. While Jackson's ranches may not be a direct reason skiers and tourists from all over the world come to town, Lockhart says they help create our town's environment. Some of the benefits, he notes, are open spaces, community character, and local beef. 
we value that, right? We value things that ranching brings to the community, and I'm in a position to carry the torch on another generation. Walker also devotes his time to volunteering with Teton Search and Rescue. This means, at a moment's notice, taking off to find someone who's lost in the Tetons. Local writer and comedian Andrew Munns grew up with Lockhart and nominated him for KHOL's Community Hero Award. On a hike through the ranch, he says it's inspiring that his friend is willing to take time out of his personal life. To strap up and get in a helicopter, go look for people who are lost and, and help them out. To me, that is incredibly inspiring because I think all of us can get so wrapped up in what it is that we do, what is our job, what is our nine to five. Lockhart says he's just an everyday guy trying to give back to his community. You can see when there's a need and you act. You know, I, I see a lot of people that move to Jackson and like, what can Jackson give me and how many days in the mountains can I have and how many days of powder skiing can I have? And, and the only way that this community stays this cool place is if people are there to like prop it up. And he says being a local here shouldn't be determined by the amount of time you've lived in Jackson, the property you own, or the life milestones you've had here, but rather how you participate in the community and how you look out for your friends and people around you. I think that being a local or like a pillar of the community means that like you have some responsibility to ensure that the community is as good or better than you left it. For KHOL, I'm Natalie Shalotti. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked. I'm Tyler Pratt. Music discovery is a vital part of our mission here at KHOL. And Music Mondays, a collaboration between Jackson Hole Community Radio and the Center for the Arts, has kicked off. We recently held our first concert of the season, and despite a recent bout of Western Wyoming rain, Laramie's Gringos and Grimmies took the stage at the center, gave a group of soap Jacksonites a good dose of surf rock. We've got our fingers crossed for sunny days coming up for the remainder of our summer concert series. KHOL's music director, Jack Catlin, helped curate the acts hitting the stage and shares what audiences have to look forward to in the coming months. Another Music Mondays act is Aaron Davis and the Mystery Machine. Aaron Davis is a long-standing staple of the Jackson music scene. Davis is such an important part of this community, not only on the music side of things, but just in general what he does for the arts here in Wyoming. I spoke with Davis at the Treefort Fest earlier this year. We talked about how he and his wife, Cedar Rose, started the Wyo Americana Caravan of Musicians 10 years ago to help bring attention to some of the music acts tearing up the least populated state. The impetus was exactly you know, this is to be able to pull musicians together and trade gigs as we're moving across the state or moving across the region. The markets are few and far between in our part of the country. And so being able to team up in a small state where we get less recognition anyway, um, you know, we act to make a bigger splash as a community. One of the bands in our Music Mondays series later this summer is Laramie's Sigourney. With influences like Tame Impala and Rage Against the Machine, the four-piece band is atypical with their combination of organic and electronic instrumentation, using drum machines to complement their live instruments. Here's Willie Brooks with the Center for the Arts. Jackson is known for its bluegrass nights and its honky-tonk kind of feel at the bars around town and there's a lot of a lot of that and this band when you kind of first brought them to me jack 
Sigourney, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, it's so cool that this is happening in Wyoming because there's not a lot of that in Wyoming. So it was kind of uh, something different that we haven't had. Twitch, Zane Anthony, Aaron Zarzuela, and Danny Shade of Sigourney say the pandemic inspired them to start fostering a music scene in Laramie. We would meet up and talk about how we needed new music, different types of music coming in, and we wanted to kind of pioneer that and uh, be at the front end of that. So I think it was a lot of just like trying to play for the community that inspired the group to get together. Again, so we're playing for the community. We're providing something different, and the energy is different, and it shows at our shows. Uh, we force people to <laughs> get up front and scream with us, man. It's a uh, it's. Uh, rewarding. That's what I always wanted growing up in uh, Wyoming and never got it. Joining Sigourney for the final Music Monday show in August is Jackson's Box Elder. Frontman Chris Archuleta says the way the band makes records and performs are completely different. My approach for recording has always been like I wanted to give like a little bit more of like an indie rock kind of all rock feel to the recordings and just make sure that everything was cleaned up and just have a little bit different dynamic and then when we go out and we play shows I mean that's the one thing that people always tell me is like man you guys are a lot heavier when you guys play live <laughs> I guess when we play live the uh, the energy kicks in and I just you know we're, we're a punk band. With the wide range of musical styles on display this summer KHOL is proud to be co-presenting Music Mondays with the Center for the Arts. The artists in Wyoming are exceptionally talented and more diverse than you might expect, so it's exciting for us to be a part of showcasing them to our community here in Jackson. We've paired a different KHOL DJ with each of the group's styles to help warm up the crowd before the band takes the stage. We would love to see you at one or all of the three events, enjoying the great music Wyoming has to offer. I'm Jack Catlin, and this is KHOL. Jackson Hole Community Radio. More about KHOL's Music Monday series on the Center for the Arts website or 891KHOL.org. Before we leave you today, we've got one more Community Hero finalist to share with you. Music teacher Susan Jones has inspired numerous residents, young and old, to pick up an instrument, stick with it, and discover new passions. Those who know her style of teaching say she strikes a chord that changes many students' worlds. Natalie Schlotty once again brings us this story on Jones's drive to create magical musical spaces in the Mountain West. One, two, three, and... With a ukulele in hand, Susan Jones stands in front of her Jam 55 students, a music class specifically for people over the age of 55. So I found out that it, it it's healing, and that's what drew me in as much as I just love every instrument. I love all genres of music. I love everything about it. It's just, it's in me. For nearly two decades, Joan has helped foster the music community in Jackson and helps people discover their musical side, especially those who don't think they have it in them. That's millions of people in this world who kind of hang up the hat. Oh, my child will play. I won't ever play again. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. If you want to play music, it's accessible to everyone. You, have, you just have to have that right person who says, it's, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I'll show you how you can do it. Amanda Flossbach nominated Jones for this award. She works closely with her at Teton Music School and has witnessed the impact Jones has on thousands of students. 
to see people really come to life in a way and see in themselves a possibility. And she's opening that door through music and also just through the incredibly generous and respectful way that she interacts with all humans. Susan Jones says her philosophy on teaching is that everyone is different and the key to learning, keep it fun. You don't want to feel like you're being judged. You want to feel like I can play music and I don't care about anything else about enjoying myself. And when you do that, you're gonna make some great music. Joan says it's her mission to spread hope, joy, and healing through music, and encourages anyone interested to reach out to Teton Music School, or attend her Jam 55 class if you're in your 50s or older, saying anyone in Jackson can find musical joy. For KHOL, I'm Natalie Shalotti. Susan Jones is one of three finalists out of 21 residents nominated for KHOL's inaugural Jackson Community Hero Award. The winner will be chosen by KHOL's advisory board and announced at our 15th anniversary party on Tuesday. More information at 891 khol.org. That's it today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is performed by the local band Strumpucket. I'm Tyler Pratt, and this is KHOL, Jackson Hole Community Radio.